in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in, and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went upon the housetop, and they led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the man, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Scribes, the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins be forgiven you, or rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your couch, and go into the house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up there whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word radio Bible study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Unchanging Word has placed an outline of Dr. Mitchell's notes for the book of Luke on our website. Six chapters currently are free for download at unchangingword.life. Dr. Mitchell shares that Jesus sees one's faith. The Luke chapter 5, verse 24 through 26, he brings out forgiveness of sins which Christ offers each one of us. Do you know his forgiveness which he himself gives us? For his namesake. First John chapter 2, verse 12, John writes, I am writing these things to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Is it easy to say words? Yes, but Jesus proves that his words come with power. As Dr. Mitchell states with regard to Jesus' healing, he performed the one to prove his authority for the other. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 24 with Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. We continue our studies in the Gospel through Luke. I have to confess sometimes it's very hard for me to uh, concentrate. I could do it of giving the whole message in 20 minutes. When I think of, the, of what your need is and my need, I just feel like stopping some time and discussing this question from a personal viewpoint. I'm talking to you personally. Not to the thousands, but to you personally. Some of you who are shut in. Some of you who are discouraged and disheartened. 
some of you who really need the Savior, who need to be cleansed from your sin, who need to know something of a real life in Christ. As we read the gospel and meditate upon this gospel through Luke, we can't help but repeat over and over again, here we have our Lord as a man in the midst of men. How our Lord was full of compassion and tenderness and love, men and women, irrespective of their condition. I just trust that you and I may learn many, many lessons, personal lessons, so that our lives will become fruitful vessels for God, that we shall in some way be channels to display before the world something of the loveliness of Christ, something of his tenderness and his compassion and his love for sinners and in women, just like you and me. Now, last lesson we're dealing with our Lord is power over disease. We're in the fifth chapter of the Gospel to Luke. We were dealing with the fact that one day our Lord was teaching the crowds, Pharisees and scribes, and men of the law were all there, doctors of the law. Lord, the power of the Lord was present to heal. And I'm just reiterating the story where we were we closed last lesson. Here's a man who is very, very sick of the palsy. Very, he's totally helpless. But he has four friends who, who pick him up on a bed and they bring him to Jesus. And they couldn't get through the crowd because as the Lord was speaking to the, the crowds, he was hemmed in. So they went on the roof of the house and let, the, let this man down through the tile uh, into the very presence of the Savior. And when the Lord saw their faith, that is the faith of these men, he, he said to the man of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. Or as one, as one of the gospel says, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Again, may I remind you of the fact that faith, real, genuine faith, it may be weak faith, but it's faith. And Christ was the object of their faith. And it would brook no obstacles. They couldn't get through the crowd. Okay, we'll come through the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, the sick man, your sins be forgiven you. Now, on the other hand, you've got these Pharisees and scribes, these religious leaders, and they were accusing in their hearts, they were accusing the Lord of being a blasphemer because only God could forgive sins. So the Lord turned and gave them a challenge. And he, and he propounded to them this question, which is the easier, to say your sins be forgiven you or take up your bed and walk. Which is the more important of the two, the physical or the spiritual? And I, I was closing the last lesson by declaring that some people would take physical to be the more important because it's something you see. But my friend, the spiritual is far more important. By the way, may I, may I suggest this to you? Have you had your sins forgiven you? You see, I'm of the opinion, I wouldn't be dogmatic on this, but I'm of the opinion that this man's disease is the footage of his sin. I know in the final analysis that sin and disease go together. 
that diseases are the footage of sin, maybe not your personal sin. In the final analysis, because of sin. And this could have been a personal, this man's personal sins had brought this disease upon him. But be that as it may, the Lord said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Might a wonderful, wonderful thing to have Jesus say to a sinner, Your sins be forgiven you. Have you had your sins forgiven? Do you know the Lord Jesus came into the world just to do that one thing? As John introduced Jesus to the Jewish people and to the world, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 7 says, You know, and uh, Apostle Paul is writing the Ephesian church, that your sins are forgiven according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not according to how good you feel about it or how much you repent. I'm not opposed to repentance, don't misunderstand me. I'm quoting from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Ephesians 4:32, I read, Be ye kind hearted, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Likewise, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, speaking of the children of God, he said, You know that your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know, I kind of like that. It's because of his tremendous love for you and me. As Romans 5, 6 says, 5, 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were Yet active in our sins, Christ died for us. Now our Lord came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Having borne our sin and put away our sin, he can say to any man or woman who comes to him, you will receive me as your Savior, really meaning business to put the trust in me. I'll guarantee to you a divine pardon. I'll guarantee to you the forgiveness of every sin. I tell you, friend, it's a wonderful thing to know that we've been forgiven every sin. Now, you'll notice that in raising the challenge to these men, which is the more important, to forgive sin or to heal the body? Our Lord then said this to them, but that you may know, that you may know, that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, take, arise and take up your bed and go into your, your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I said in our last lesson, the Lord knew their thoughts and he knows your thoughts. Here we have forgiveness as the outpouring of his love for men and women. He didn't ask the man who was sick a thing. He just said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And when he saw the faith of these men, he could say to the man, your sins be forgiven you. Then to challenge these enemies of his, knowing their thoughts, manifesting omniscience, which is the easier to say. Your sins are forgiven you, or to take up your bed and walk. And the Lord Jesus did a remarkable thing. He fulfilled 
103rd Psalm, the third verse. You remember that Psalm, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Now, o Lord Jesus, in one, just one simple act, fulfilled the 103rd Psalm, verse 3. And if you had asked those Pharisees and scribes and doctors of the law, if you had said to them, of whom does it speak in the 103rd Psalm, the third verse, where it says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases, they would have said without any hesitation, why, God is the only one who can do that. And yet this is what Jesus did. He forgave his sin and healed his body. You know, here you have our Lord really again presenting his credentials as the Messiah, Savior of men. Friend, I'm talking to you today. Do you want your sins forgiven? Remember, no one can stand in the presence of God. Sin. And it's a marvelous thing that the moment you and I come with all our sins, with all our wretchedness or whatever our condition may be, he is sufficient for our need. And he just loves, as we shall see before the end of the chapter, he just loves men and women. And he, one thing he wants to do with you, friend, is to save you. Not only to save you from sin and to give you a divine pardon and divine forgiveness, but remember he does the whole business. Christ died for all your sin and he forgives all your sin. He does it because he loves you. But there must be on your part that manifestation of faith and the receiving of Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you remember he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest? You can't have rest without forgiveness. The impossibility of a soul being at real rest without forgiveness. It's a marvelous thing to me, and it should be to you, that our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to remove the barrier between you and God, cleanse you from all sin, fit you for the presence of God. I tell you, we can sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. You sing it? That precious verse, you know, of a song, I need no other argument. I need no other it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And here in this passage, our Lord manifests his authority as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Savior. He not only forgave the man's sins, but he also healed his body. Now notice the result of that in, verse, in verses 25 and 26. And immediately the man arose up before them, took up his bed, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they, that is the whole crowd, the crowd that were there, they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. You know, to me, I don't know how you look at this verse, these people glorified God, were all amazed at what they had seen and what they had heard. Our Lord had demonstrated the fact that he was God manifest in the flesh by fulfilling the 103rd Psalm right before their eyes and before their ears. And yet, I must say this, 
I questioned if they had any place in their heart for Christ. You know, a person can glorify God for what he has done in somebody else's life. And you may be able to talk all about the cross and about Christ's death to the world, sinners. And yet you may have no part in it. In dealing with young men, I have oftentimes brought them to the place where they acknowledge that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ died for their sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. They acknowledge all the historical facts of our Savior healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, opening the eyes of the blind, dying on a cross to put away their sins, guarantee to them in resurrection to have them say, Mr. Mitchell, I don't want it. I don't want it. When I've asked them, will you now, having acknowledged the historical facts of the death and resurrection of our Savior for your sins, you might have life eternal. What will you do with Jesus, who was called Christ? I've had them say, I want none of it. Just like these folk here, they glorified God. They were amazed at what they'd heard, what they'd seen. I'm afraid they had no eyes, no heart to save you. Am I talking to you, friend, today? Is it possible? that you may have gone to Sunday school as a boy or a girl, and you know all about the church and preachers and everything else, and yet have never had any personal relationship with the Savior. When people say to me, Mr. Mitchell, I don't want any of it, that's because you've never seen him. You've never seen him. Or do you want to be like these scribes and Pharisees who had only one desire when they went to hear Jesus and saw what he did? And they came from Jerusalem and from Judea and from all around Galilee. They came for one purpose, find fault. And I know if you look far enough, you'll find plenty God's people are full of faults. We're not perfect. That's true. That's true. And it's possible that there are some people of the world who have rejected the Savior can tell you just exactly how a Christian should live. I know that. I became a Christian and gave my testimony uh, in the shops where I worked. I hadn't been there a month as a Christian. I was saved before, after I became, I was saved after I was working in this shop. And at the first opportunity, I began to give my testimony. Now I remember an old cursing boilermaker telling me what he expected of me, having accepted the same. He said, you've become religious. And I said, no, I said, I've accepted the Savior. I've become a Christian. I said, I'll tell you exactly, Mitchell, how you ought to live. And I said, if you know that much, why don't you live that way? No, he said, I want none of it. And he began to criticize all the Christians he knew. But anybody can do that. What about Jesus? That's the issue. The issue is not Mitchell. The issue is not some professing Christian you know, some church member, some preacher you know. The issue is Jesus Christ. What will you do, the Son of God? This one who forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. This one who proved himself to be God manifest in the flesh. A lover of men and women, enough to die for them. What are you going to do with him? Hey, God grant you won't be like these scribes and Pharisees going around finding fault with professing Christians, most of whom know so little about 
purpose of God for their lives. My friend, what about you? He knows your thoughts and your words. Knows them afar off. One of these days, you've got to stand up, not before me or some preacher. You've got to stand before Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What are you going to say? You've heard about him? What are you going to do with him? You've got to do something with Jesus. You've either got to accept him as your Savior, Lord, or turn your back upon him, take your place with these scribes and Pharisees. I'm sure you don't want to do that. My friend, you must make a decision. It's imperative. It's not something you can turn on and off. It's something that you must do. What will you do with this Jesus? It's called the Christ. Now, starting in at verse 27 and running through to the end of the chapter, we have our Lord's power over men. Now, I'm not going to go into it except to give you a little highlights here so you can think about, read the rest of the chapter over and over again for our next lesson. Here's a man. We read that the Lord Jesus went forth and he saw a publican, a man named Levi. It was Matthew wrote the first book of the New Testament. He was sitting at the receipt of custom. That is, he was a tax gatherer. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, followed him. That's all. He heard of a man come and say, follow me. He lifted up his head from the, his counting table, saw Jesus. Once he saw Jesus, he left his tax gathering, he left his money, he left his table and followed Jesus. And when you go down through the chapter, you have these old Pharisees again, finding fault with Jesus. Finding fault with the Lord's disciples. Amazing little story. It's Paul, follow me. I've just been talking about this question of the man whose sins were forgiven. This man whose body was healed. See, that's wonderful. No, this is something far more wonderful. Not only did he manifest power over disease, able to cleanse lepers and heal people, but he is the one who has power over men. I'm, I can't help but think of John's Gospel, chapter 1, when John the, John the Baptist said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of and I read that the two disciples of John left John and followed Jesus. Jesus said to them, Well, what are you following for? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He just said, Come on and see. I'll tell you, those fellows were never, never, never again the same. He's saying this to you. Come and see, friend. Problem is, people don't see Jesus. They've got a distorted idea of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many see him just as a man. Others see him just as a teacher. I see him as the Son of God. And yet a real man in the midst of men comes to you and to me and he says, follow me, accompany me. Will you hear his voice today? What he is saying to you, follow me. Accompany me. Come on along with me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Jesus 
pertain to you, me. Come on with me. Accompany me. Accompany me. That's the place of joy and the place of blessing. Light, light, the dawn that covered me. Inside Christ's real, outside I see. with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.